Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I can take him to a place uh, personally that they can't get to themselves. Right back in this game. Yeah, big expectations. They got to buy into that, and it's not going to be comfortable at times. I pull and I root for the team because I know if the team's playing well, it makes the people in the city excited and happy. You know, we're in this thing to win. This game is over. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins. This is Oscar Platon. This is Cam Talbot. This is Carmen Dale from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, but meantime. came up just a little bit short. This is Orders Now. It's brought to you by Digitex. 
Hopefully you're having a wonderful Thursday. We're going to be getting into it in today's show. Digitex, PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software, and now Digitex can manage your corporate cell phone plan, saving your company money. All your devices managed at Digitex. We're going to recap last night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Discuss where the Edmonton Oilers are at right now. What possible moves might be coming? Also, Louis DeBrusque from uh, NHL Hockey on Rogers at 12:35 today. Brian Burke, longtime NHL executive for Friends, a Canadian power pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. We'll also hear today from the Edmonton Oil Kings business operations director. That's Daniel. Troyani, he's got Star Wars Day coming up on Family Day Monday. A reminder, you can reach us on our River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. It's brought to you by the River Creek Resort and Casino. They've got Legends in Concert, February 22nd and 23rd at the River Creek Tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. You can always text us at 630-630. Heartland Ford text line. Think all dealerships are the same. Think again. Experience buying a vehicle on your terms. No pressure. Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. I'm in Raleigh. Brendan Escott's back in the studio. 630 Ched in Edmonton. The Twitter account, at Oilers Now. My personal handle, Bob underscore Stopper. And Brendan is at Brendan Escott. And a reminder, uh, we're going to quickly go in. We've got a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to get right into the Direct Workwear Oilers Now Audio Vault. Direct Workwear for product knowledge, compliance, great pricing, innovation. DirectWorkwear.com, an Edmonton-based company. The Oilers last night in a nationally televised game across the United States took on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tonight. Good start. It didn't end well for Edmonton. Jack Michaels with the call. Tonight may be one of their more important games. The Oilers at 24-26-5. Just one win in their last eight. Six in their last 22. They open a three-game road trip that may very well define the rest of their season. Tonight in the Steel City. Steal by the Oilers. McDavid has a two-on-one with Drysaddle. Feeds him. Shoots and scores. Leon Drysaddle makes it one nothing. Edmonton with his team-leading 33rd goal of the year. With Larson in support. He banked one up the wall and McDavid on a two-on-one, slides it across, and Drysaddle's got the hot stick, elite-level finish. one nothing Oilers with the lead. Drew Arby's taken hard against the boards. Pedersen tries to wheel it out, a hard hit. Luger absolutely flattened far side by Alexander Petrovic. Beauty pass, crosses to Rust in front, and what a save made by Koskinen. Back to Rust in tight, backhander scores, shorthanded goal. Missed on his first opportunity, but after Edmonton did not close on either Cullen nor Rust, he got a second chance. But missed badly. Came off the glass to Bluger. Now Latang on the goal line. Looks for a teammate. Feathered in front. One timer score. Teddy Bluger. His third goal in four games. Drysaddle hits McDavid. It's a breakaway. He's pulled off the puck. This should be a penalty shot. And there we go. Connor McDavid, a penalty shot. Left to right to tie the game. At center ice. Attacking in over the blue line. Takes it out wide. Now cuts to the hash marks. Wade shoots. Save made by Matt Murray with a glove. Pittsburgh picks it up. Wristed down the ice. Score. What a shot taken by Jared McCann. And with a minute to go, he extends Pittsburgh's lead to 3-1 with an empty netter. 
right, so the Penguins win again. Sidney Crosby headed to head against Connor McDavid. The Oilers now 0-6 uh, in that matchup. Uh, actually, technically 0-3 and uh, yeah, 0-4 and 2, I guess. They lost one in an overtime, one in shootout. The games have all been close. The margins have been tight. I said last night after the game, uh, you know, you wonder if Taylor Hall's still been an Edmonton Oiler. Would Connor McDavid uh, have won any of the six matchups against Sid the Kid? That's for you to decide. Oilers played pretty well last night. You don't want to hear about pretty well. You want to hear about results. Here's Ken Hitchcock saying they lost despite playing their A game last night. Yeah, this is uh, the first time since I've been here that we've played an A game and not got points. We've gotten points before, and we did an awful lot of things really well tonight. We All the things, uh, the, the stuff about playing for each other on the five-man shift, we did exactly that. Our neutral zone play was excellent. Just four minutes. Yeah, well, I, I, I think also... Uh, we didn't. We weren't ready for our power play. We we thought we had more time than we thought on on all the power plays, and we were a little bit slow. That's probably the one element that was a little bit disappointing tonight. But I mean, it's hard to fall. There wasn't one guy that didn't give you everything he had, and there wasn't. It didn't lack for scoring chances. It was us and the goalie about seven or eight times, including a penalty shot. All right. So that's Ken Hitchcock talking last night. Uh, seeing the Oilers brought out their A game, didn't get the end result. Uh, the shorthanded goal burned the Edmonton Oilers, as Leon Dreisaitl says here. We have to be a little more uh, aware, I guess, in that situation. Um, you know, we played it a little too loose, um, but, you know, that, that happens sometimes. But we had more than enough uh, chances to, um, you know, to tie it up later. But, um, like I said, couldn't, couldn't really get it past them. Miko Koskinen had this to say on uh, the goal that he says he should have stopped. Make, it makes it really hard when you lose the game 2-1 and you let go like that, but you can't take it back. You have to move on and try the way to find out. Connor McDavid said he personally needed to bear down on his chances. Yeah, we had a bunch of chances too, to tie it. Um, i got to find a way to bear down on a couple. Um, you know, credit to them, they... They had that four-minute stretch where they scored two and, and held on. And so the Oilers lose. They won just one of their last nine games. They're falling out of it. The team, an optional skate today. I mean, they ran some guys pretty hard last night because of the lack of depth in their lineup up front. A lot of frustration. I mean, you can sit there and uh, highlight, accentuate what went well and still be critical. And it's not enough for some of you out there. Uh, who are mired in uh, hate at this stage. With where I, And I get the exasperation, the frustration with the lack of traction of the team. Frankly, when you hear Connor's voice after the game, my heart kind of goes out to the guy because I know he's bringing it and he's doing everything possible. You have three players, McDavid, Dreisettle, and Nugent Hopkins, who are having career years, and this team right now appears to be headed away from the playoffs, and there's conjecture about who they might get traded and, you know, could Cam Talbot potentially be moved to Philadelphia? Well, that would make a hell of a lot of sense, given the relationship between Cam Talbot and Carter Hart. Uh, anyhow, 
I digress. We'll see on that front. I do want to mention, just before we get into why the Oilers are in this position, if you're still looking for Family Day plans, the Edmonton Oilers will be holding an autograph session at West Edmonton Mall on Family Day, Monday, from 1 to 3 p.m. Fans will have a chance to get an autograph from a couple different Oilers on a piece of their own memorabilia or a picture supplied at the event. Don't miss your chance to connect with your favorite players. Be there early to secure your spot. All the information is at uh, West, uh, WEM, the abbreviation WEM, dot CA backslash Oilers. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back in one minute's time, and we're going to talk about how Edmonton got to the spot that they got to, where a guy that's been a minor leaguer the last three years, Brad Malone, and a guy claimed at wavering uh, on waivers, uh, Colby Cave. And those guys played okay last night. But how we got to the spot that those guys are in the lineup on the Oilers' third and fourth line. We'll take a quick timeout for about a minute and come back here in Oilers now. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. 12-17, Oscar Clefbaum. When you look at it, one of the five players that were inherited when the Oilers made a significant change back in 2015, if you factor in Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the pick which obviously turned out to be Connor McDavid, along with Oscar Clefbaum and Darnell Nurse. And some would argue those are the Oilers' five best players. This is Oilers now. So how did we get here? Because let's face it, part of the reason why the Oilers, Connor McDavid's got 10 points in six games against Pittsburgh. Sidney Crosby has four, and the Penguins have won all six games. The organization clearly has a lack of depth. That is an absolute given. What I'm about to say for some of you might be a little bit surprising, and for others you're going to believe whatever you want to believe, and that's okay, I get that. And I get that everybody's angry and madder than hell at the world and down, and it's minus 24 and nobody's happy and the team isn't winning games. So let's get to it. We all went absolutely you-know-what on April the 18th when the Edmonton Oilers won the lottery. And that meant they got Connor McDavid. Six days later, Peter Shirelli was announced president of hockey operations and general manager. Craig McTavish was demoted at that time. The uh, Oilers organization, with the, it's my belief, with the hiring of Peter Shirelli, were all, all, everybody was on board, philosophically aligned at that time with building a bigger, heavier team. Shirelli mentioned the word heavy at least 20 times during the press conference on Friday, April 24th. There was a real emphasis uh, to build a team that was going to be hard to play at home, difficult to play against. Part of and parcel of it was the, the fact that there are several people in the community, the fans, and people in hockey operations that were tired of seeing the team being pushed around. And don't forget the team is going to draft Connor McDavid. So what do you want to do when you have a generational player like that? You want to protect him. Because of the negative perception of what was out there with the Oilers' old boys, there were some moves that occurred. One, Craig McTavish was demoted. Kevin Lowe, for the most part, and anybody that knows what's gone on behind the scenes, and again, you believe what you want to believe here, but they'll tell you Kevin Lowe has really moved away from hockey operations and been away for a while. Again, Mac T was demoted. On June the 20th, Peter Shirelli fired both the head uh, amateur and head pro scouts for the organizations, both who'd been with the club for at least the past decade at that time. Maury Guerra was fired as head pro scout. Stu McGregor 
was fired as head amateur scout. A couple of Stu's closest scouts on the amateur side, Brad Davis and Kent Hawley, were also relieved of their duties. Now, I personally believe that Dwayne Sutter was one of the guys that uh, Peter Tr- uh, Shirelli trusted on the uh, pro side. Uh, we, you know, Bob Green certainly took on some additional responsibilities. Which brings us to some of the moves that occurred. And the first big one was the Griffin Reinhardt trade. It's always been my belief for the last several years that, you know, you would think that Bob Green, as former general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, would have had uh, input on that deal. A lot of people, I personally saw Griffin Reinhardt play at least 50 times. I thought Griffin Reinhardt was going to be an NHL player. Maybe some of you out there said, no, he's, he's going to be a stiff. Maybe some of you had that kind of foresight. But if you'd been to Edmonton Oil King games, at one point in the 2013-14 season, the Oil Kings were 30-5 and with Griffin Reinhardt in the lineup. When they won the 2014 Memorial Cup, Griffin Reinhardt absolutely helped shut down Owen Sound on route to the Oil Kings winning the, uh, the final. I've always believed that there have been lots of input on the Griffin uh, Reinhardt. You know, Kevin Lowe, as an example, son Keegan Lowe played with Griffin Reinhardt. Uh, Bob Green, again, was his general manager. Randy Hatch, in the organization at that time, had been the general manager uh, taking over for Bob Green. What I will tell you is, and this is not going to be the case on every guy we talk about here, ultimately Peter Shirelli signed off in the trade and was comfortable with doing the deal. My initial belief was the deal was for just the 16, not for the 33. And as per the 16, the Edmonton Oilers were not taking Matthew Barzell, who we're going to see in a couple nights. The guy that I was told that the team liked was Joel Erickson Eck. Okay? So I believe Shirelli on that one actually, and he ultimately signed off on it, but I believe he was quite comfortable. And I don't think he was heavily influenced which is going to counter some other things that occurred in subsequent times under the Shirelli regime. Taylor Hall trade. Just before we get to the Taylor Hall trade, Patrick Maroon was acquired at the trade deadline, okay, in 2016. It was a good trade for the Oilers. I know for a fact that Peter Shirelli uh, resourced Todd McClellan and the San Jose coaches on Patrick Maroon. There were a lot of concerns about Patrick Maroon's uh, character, just as there had been character concerns in the past about Zach Cassian. I don't think that the combination of Craig McTavish and Scott Housen would have traded for either Cassian or uh, Patrick Maroon. But Peter Shirelli did. It was a good trade, and I believe that he sourced out his coaches on that trade. Taylor Hall. A lot of people say, well, Shirelli went ahead and he traded Tyler Sagan, so he was comfortable trading Taylor Hall. I'm here to tell you that half the city was bad-mouthing Taylor Hall long before he was ever traded out of Edmonton, and three-quarters of the people that were bad-mouthing him were completely out to lunch. Now, there are some relationships. I don't think, as an example, Kelly Buckberger and Taylor Hall necessarily liked each other. Taylor Hall did not like to practice long on morning skates, because he was going to play 20-plus minutes a game. Kelly Buckberger came from a different era. Were there outside influences on Taylor Hall? I think there were so many voices involved in the Taylor Hall buildup to even before when Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan came aboard as a tandem. Okay? And I think there is a belief that the orders needed to move along from Taylor Hall. 
Now, history has shown they didn't get the return that they needed. That's an absolute given. Uh, even though Hall's been out, I had somebody say to me, well, it's, you know, the Oilers won one year, the first year of the deal, when they went from 27th in the league defensively and 25th in the league offensively to 8th. Uh, the, you know, the Devils won the next year when Hall was the league MVP. I'm sorry. The, the, there's no debate who won the deal. New Jersey won the trade, and Peter Shirelli in that deal did not get enough. But to Shirelli's defense on the trade, I would suggest there were lots of people that had opinion on it. So that takes us through 2016-17. The Oilers get in on the 2017 playoffs. They go on a run. Big, heavy team. And again, organization-wise, I believe they wanted Shirelli to execute the plan. And I believe Shirelli was given latitude and more latitude over time, especially as the Oilers had success. Let's not forget that he was up for executive of the year in 2017. When the Oilers got eliminated by the Anaheim Ducks uh, and, and Jordan Everly, there had been trade discussions with Jordan Everly and Ryan Strom at the deadline, and the Oilers decided they wanted to see what Everly was going to do in the playoffs. The line of Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, and Everly did not score an even goal, even strength goal in the series against Anaheim and got broken up during that series. There was cap concerns, and there was actually some belief from people in the Oilers organization that the Islanders would walk away from Everly Strom deal. I did not believe that to be the case. Um, the trade made sense for me, provided you were going to be patient with Strom. Which brings us to this season. Strom for Spooner. I know for a fact that Peter Shirelli spoke to his coaches about the deal. They didn't want to do it. On Strom for Spooner, I think this one is on Peter. Okay, Peter knew Spooner. He drafted Spooner. When the trade was made, I think the thought was Spooner could potentially play in the top six. Do you, right now, Brendan, just as we got 15 seconds here, can you read the tweet that I put out when the trade went down, Strom for Spooner? Yeah, so you quoted the Oilers and said, Ryan Strom was a very popular teammate in Edmonton who was working on becoming a third-line right-shot center. Spooner might have a higher offensive ceiling and could provide the Oilers with a power play dimension. Might and could, not will. Remember that. I was, I was surprised by that deal when that happened. Uh, it's clear since Strom has been traded, the Edmonton Oilers have missed him as a third-line center. That's an absolute given. I don't think there's any question about it. And Spooner, when you make that deal, no one saw him being the player that turned out to be sent down to the minors. Ken Hitchcock gets hired. A believer in big, heavy hockey. Peter Shirelli, a believer in big, heavy hockey. The league moving in another direction. Then we have the Brandon Manning trade. Ken spoke glowingly about the Manning acquisition. You'd be naive to believe that Ken Hitchcock didn't have time for Brandon Manning. Brendan, can you read my tweet when the Manning trade was made? It says, like Petrovich, Manning will assist in the short term in helping stop cycles and provide grit and compete on the back end. Okay, in the short term. And the concern there to defend Shirelli on the trade was they didn't know how long Russell was out for. They didn't know how long things were going to take place with Clefbaum, and they weren't sure with where Sakura was at. But by taking Strom and Kajula out of the mix, they've lost two of their top nine forwards. They've never replaced the third-line center role that Strom was starting to become like a Marty Reasoner player. 
At the end of the day, you're going to believe what you want to believe. Was Peter Shirelli culpable? He's the general manager. He signs off on the trades. I believe he would be culpable with this. I do have to say, though, the entire organization wanted to go bigger and heavier. People were ecstatic when the Oilers went outside the Oiler family and hired Shirelli back in 2015. They were ecstatic when Todd McClellan was hired as head coach. Very few of you criticized the McClellan hiring. Um, the timing of the McClellan firing, to me, was a little bit surprising. I thought if there's one coach to come in and be successful in the short term, Ken Hitchcock had a good chance to do it. So it kind of made sense from that perspective. Make no mistake, Todd McClellan will be a full-time NHL head coach next season. He's thought of that highly around the league. Shirelli's body of work, especially in the final year, is going to make it difficult for him to return as an NHL general manager. He might not need to. He owns a team in the USHL. He's managed his money well. He's a smart guy. He was strong opinion-wise and didn't always like hearing from others. I will personally tell you that. There were other opportunities to move guys out at different times. He justified it during the 2016-17 season because he thought he had the team steered in the right direction. The Oilers' failure is not all on Peter. There are other factors in the organization. Hopefully I provided you with a little bit of context as to maybe who had some influence and who didn't. Bottom line, I think several people influenced Hall. I don't think the Reinhardt thing was as heavily influenced as a lot of people believe. Um, I believe he's got to get credit for picking up Maroon and taking the chance because I don't think that would have happened in the Oilers' past. And obviously the moves this week, uh, season played a huge factor in undermining the, uh, the depth of the team up front and it gets exposed against teams, against the good teams in the league like San Jose and Pittsburgh. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with Louis DeBrusque when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.